plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. Welcome back to Plot Twist. Here we go, another week, another episode. I know, and I know we say it each week, but I genuinely was psyched for this week because we <laughs> had Michelle Keegan join us, and I think I am genuinely her number one fan. Were you a bit stoked, Fran? I was I was stoked. Um, <laughs> but honestly, on a serious note, I have followed Michelle's career. Um, I watched Coronation Street when she played Tina McIntyre. I also watched Our Girl, where she was an army medic, Georgie Lane. Um, and now she's obviously back with season two of Brassic, that's available on Now TV, as Erin. She certainly is. And, I mean, she plays some great, lovable characters, Fran. Oh, poor Tina. Poor Tina. Poor, t- poor, yeah. poor Tina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I mean, she's always played like these strong, independent women, but they've all sort of been different in their own right. And I suppose that's a kind of a sign of how she's evolved in a way. Yeah. And I think Brassic's great. It's really good to see her in a comedy role. I love Brassic. Obviously, fans of the podcast will know we spoke to Joe Gilgan a couple of weeks ago. What a ride that was. <laughs> I uh, still can't get around my head around how much fun we had with him. It was so good. He's, he's wonderful. But I guess this is a continuation in a way. Yeah, but before we got onto Brassic, uh, we wanted to take Michelle back a few years to the beginning of her career. Uh, and that's where we start in the interview. And where she met me last year. Yeah, I know. Before we got onto the actual good stuff, we of course had to re-reference <laughs> Tom and her meeting, like we do continually on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was necessary personally. But anyway, should we kick off? I think we should. So here is part one of our interview with Michelle Keegan on the Plot Twist podcast. So, Michelle, welcome to Plot Twist. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have you. I mean, Tom was lucky enough to chat to you last year about yeah. the launch of season one. And I do have to confess, and I'll probably embarrass him, but he has been telling everyone for 12 months about <laughs> yeah. how you complimented him on his eyelashes. They, they are exceptional <laughs> eyelashes. They're so long and dark, aren't they? They are so long. It's like cartoon eyelashes. A bit like a camel. <laughs> yeah. Like very long, protecting the eyes from sand, if anything. Um, I love that I was going like Disney character and then, and then Francesca went, yeah, like a camel, yeah. 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 No, that, <laughs> that's Fran summed him, up, really. We were sat opposite each other and I was like, good God, those lashes. Like, where did they come from? Tom must get that all the time. The fact that I've mentioned it, you've mentioned it. <laughs> he loves it. He abs- He's always like, God, everyone's always talking about my eyelashes. I'm like, <laughs> well, do we know? Yeah, I'm not sure nice. I go that far. I mean, the fact that Michelle Keegan commented on, on them is he's, he's been referenced rid- a few He's ridden times. off that compliment yeah. for 12 months. I didn't even yeah. think it was possible, but trust me, <laughs> he has. <laughs> That was in the, the kebab house in Camden for season one glamorous of Glamorous that, wasn't it? That was very glamorous, yeah. yeah I'm very that I'm was, very That was a fun day. Yeah. That was a fun day. <laughs> Just quick, I must say, you were so lovely. There was the setup in, I mean, it was a bit weird being in a kebab house, but you had all the camera crew, the sound operators, all the reps for you and all the plonkers like myself doing the interview. And you came <laughs> to everyone and said hello and just lovely. Oh, no, thank yeah. you. It was, a, it was a really fun day. The other thing I would say, I smell like garlic all day, you know, from the kebab. But apart <laughs> from that, 
We had a great day. It's actually really It really fun. gets into the clothing, doesn't it? It really does. It. Onions what for days. <laughs> anyway, how are you getting on? Really good, really good. Um, I keep saying that obviously you have your bad moments where you're missing your family and friends. So obviously mine are up north, mm. so I haven't been able to see them for a while. But then, you know, I'm also grateful the fact we can Zoom now and FaceTime and there's great series on TV. I've got food in the fridge. So, you know what? I feel very lucky as well, you know. Are you watching quite a bit of TV? I am actually, yeah. I've tr I've really gotten into documentaries. I don't know why, like random documentaries. Like I'm very into Louis Theroux again. That happened a few years ago, but now even more so. I like Louis Theroux. And I've been watching lots of things about history. Ooh. Oh, nice. Mm. It's been an culture. educational experience as well. Yeah, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm isolating and learning at the same time. I did really enjoy, though. Um, Tom and I were on the uh, Brassic event last week, and I personally oh, yeah. really enjoyed oh, seeing you? your little oh, yeah. dogs featuring. <laughs> I loved that. I'm so sorry about that. I'm on edge right now because they're around, and if anyone knocks on the door, we're screwed. It's going to happen, <laughs> it's gonna happen it was, again. It was the doorbell as well. I know. Yeah, it was just the doorbell. They were just excited to see he was there. I know, I know. But, um, yeah, it was fun. And what was weird is, obviously, we could see each other, but we couldn't see... You know, we couldn't see you, we couldn't see an audience. So it's like we're chatting amongst ourselves. And then we have to keep reminding ourselves, oh, my God, like, we're doing interviews here, right? We have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> be professional. But oh, it was good fun. fun, though. It was really good fun. Yeah, you can tell you guys have got great sort of rapport together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have. Now, before we get on to, to Brassic and even our girl as well, yeah. we kind of want to go back to where it all started for you. So you grew up in Stockport. Yeah, no, I was born in... Everyone thinks I'm, you... I grew up there, but no, I was born there and then I, I moved to, um, like, Salford when I was, like, one. So oh, I, was okay. brought, I was brought up in Ireland in, in Salford, really. So what was life like growing up in Salford? Great. I had, I had a love, you know, a lovely childhood and all my childhood friends are still my mates now. Like, uh, it was... It, again, it's quite... It's similar to Brassic in the way of it's a small community. Everyone knows everyone. It's so friendly there and... Yeah, I just got very happy memories from growing up. Did you always think you were going to go into acting? Was that, was that on the radar? When you were I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely knew it. Sorry. They knew, they knew we were talking about them. I know. They were like, it's time for our entrance. Stop. Oh, it's a postman and Mark's not here. They've ruined it for themselves. They've ruined it for themselves. They've ruined it. Oh, bless them. They're locked out. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, we've had other dogs interrupt other episodes, haven't we? Lenny James, I think he's... Oh, really? Made, so yeah. Yeah. Stephen, oh. Stephen Graham's dog made an appearance as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, so we've had a few. So I'm not on so my not own. Alone. You're not alone. Thank you. Um, and so did I always know? I, I always loved acting. It was one of them things that I would, in school, because I did drama at high school, I was always looking forward to, um, you know, my drama lesson. But for me... Because I haven't got anyone in my family who's an actor or a performer, I just didn't know how to get into it. And I always presumed you had to start really early to have a career mm. in acting. Mm. So I always loved it, but I didn't think I was going to have it as a career. Because you got your break, your big break quite early with Corrie. You are like, 19? Yeah, 19. I think, well, I, I started going to Manchester School of Acting, which purely for me was just enjoyment purposes, really, and confident building. That was That was it. And I started going there in May. I got an agent in October and I got Corrie in November. Wow. So it happened very, That's very amazing. quick. Yeah, yeah, very quick. And how did it feel when you were offered the Corrie role? Honestly, it was probably the most 
electrifying moments of my life, but the most mm. daunting. And I remember, I remember just being numb for two hours. I remember the producer saying, like, um, congratulations, you got the part of Tina. And then on cue, the casting director just dropped these six scripts right in front of me on the desk that made a massive FUD noise. And I just remember staring at them going, what? No. <laughs> and then I remember driving home with the scripts next to me in the passenger seat in total silence. And I was just driving down the motorway and just kept on, like, turning to my left, looking at the scripts and looking on the road and then looking to my left. And it just felt really surreal. And I think because I grew up watching Corrie, like, you know, mm. I'm, I'm from up north and my family are massive fans on Coronation Street. So the fact that I, had, I got the role was just, it took a long, long time for for me to um, get used to that. Even when I was on Corrie, it took a long time. It's, it's a national institution, isn't it? Massive, massive. And I remember calling, like, Helen Worth, Gail, a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was so starstruck by everyone. And I remember walking down the corridor and seeing um, Bill, who plays Ken Barlow, walking towards me, and I froze. I didn't know what to do. I, I thought, oh my God, Ken's coming towards me. Do I say hello? Do I shake his hand? Do I look the other way? I just, I didn't know what to do. But it was just very, very exciting time in my life. So how long did that take to, to sort of feel like, as you say, having had not that huge amount of experience to turn up and be like, I'm um, here on Corey. A good year for me to settle in. Because it was every moment I walked out on set and I looked at the Corey set, it was like I was stepping into my TV screen because I was such mm. a big a fan of the show. Um, so it took me a good year and a good, like, I think it was um, a storyline that I had, I think it was an abortion storyline that I had, which was really emotional and I sort of had to, like, earn my stripes as an actor, I'd, I'd say, in that first year. And then I, I won Best Newcomer at the Soap Awards. So for me, that really helped my confidence. Mm. Um, but even now, I've still got imposter syndrome. I always start my job and like, oh God, why am I here? I'm, I'm, I feel very, very lucky. I have to pinch myself all the time. So yeah, I think that's never going to leave me, you know, ever. I think a lot of actors say that though. Yeah, it's true. It is true. When you feel like that, I don't think it ever leaves. Yeah, a lot of people we've spoken to have sort of said they get sort of particular work and they, the day before, think, I can't do this. Why yeah. have they chosen me? I can't believe I've got it. Yeah. But actually, they, they're doing an amazing job, but they don't believe it themselves. It's, it's true. Crazy. It takes a long time for you to settle into a role as well, like, especially a new role. It takes a long time for me to settle into that role. But it's exciting as well because it's, it's challenging. But obviously, Tina, um, you've, you've referenced in several interviews that you come from sort of a background of really strong women and, mm. and all of the roles that you've played have been really strong female characters, which mm. is great. And obviously, Tina on Corrie, that was, was it six and a half, seven years that you were with Corrie? Yeah. yeah. And that's amazing. And, and obviously, again, you've spoken about before, but the decision to leave and actually mm. your character be killed off versus yeah. have that as an open door. Yeah. How did that feel? Um, it took... I think it took two years for me to make the decision to leave. So it took a long time for me to go, right, I'm finally ready, you know, let's see what else I can do. And then I think it was like four months after I decided to leave, the producer said, we're going to do a leaving storyline for you. So I was like, oh, fantastic, what is it? <laughs> we're going to kill Tina. <laughs> I'm not joking. My heart just sank. I was like, oh. And obviously, I couldn't go back on the decision of leaving at that point. So I was like, right, well, mm. you know, is this is this it for me now in the acting world? Like, you know, and I, th I looked and I thought, I looked back and I thought, you know what? 
I've had a good run. If I don't get anything now, at least I can look back and go, you know what? I was in Coronation Street. That's pretty good going. And I th and the only reason why I left Corrie, it wasn't because, you know, I stopped loving the job, because I did, I, I loved the job. It was purely because I wanted the challenge of trying to do something else, seeing if I could do something else. And I didn't want to look back at my life and think, what if? That's mm, it. Because yeah. I went, I sort of took a risk going into the acting world at a later age anyway, you know. I didn't start very young, but it was a risk for me doing that, so I thought... I might as well carry on that pattern, taking risks. It's almost ambition, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, I was very, I was very lucky, definitely. And then from there, you go on to our girl. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. We'll see. Thank you. Huge success. Thank you. It seems like uh, the nation has t really taken to Georgie as a character. How much of a challenge was that? Because obviously, that was a, a slightly different role. Was that part of that sort of wanting to break out of the sort of the, the Corrie mould? Well, it was yeah. weird because I didn't work for seven months after leaving Corrie. I didn't work. Oh, wow. So that was really, you know, that was a really scary time for me. I was constantly questioning whether I made the right decision. But the first job I got, sorry, it wasn't Argate, it was Ordinary Lies, where it mm. was for the uh, BBC and I played a drug mule, which again was a, a totally different role than Tina. And I really enjoyed it. And then the next role was Argo. And that Argo for me was the most challenging role. I think it, cause it was it was very physical as well. It's physically demanding and it was emotionally demanding as well. So for me, that was definitely the most challenging role to date. How do you prepare for a role like that? Like you say, even just on the physical side, it's really intense. How really do you intense. Get in the headspace for that. We got, we had to go to boot camp for two weeks. We had um, before we went over to South Africa. We had two weeks of like hardcore boot camp uh, military training, where we were with military advisors, SAS um, advisors as well, where they'd sort of uh, you you know learn how to hold a weapon, patrolling snipering, um, just being in a sort of like combat sort of medic role as well, where I had to learn the medical side of things. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a military side I had to learn, it was a medical side. And then we went to South Africa and we had to acclimatise there. So that took a week, because obviously we had to get used to the heat of wearing the, um, of the fatigues, army fatigues, carrying the Bergens, the helmets, the weapons, and we had to do a week of boot camp in South Africa as well. Gosh. And honestly, it was really, really hard. But without that, I don't think I could, I wouldn't have been able to do the role. It's funny, you don't really see that sort of when you're watching it. On, on, you don't think about all the stuff that goes on behind exactly. the scenes. You just think, I think yeah. a lot of people just think you get a script and you go on set, you're in your outfit and that's it. It's a process, it's a process. Um, and it takes a long time. Especially with you a role like that. You, you mentioned that it, it's been life-changing. How so? I With Argo, I feel like I haven't just grown as an actress with that role, but I've grown as a person. And I think that's maybe because I was away from home for such a long time. Like, obviously, last year I was away for four months, but the year before that, I was actually away for eight months of the wow. year, wow. which is a long time. I came home once for two weeks, but in the whole, you know, the scheme of things, it was... It was eight months of my life away. And you learn a lot about yourself when you're by yourself in a foreign country. And mm. I just feel like, for me, it was sort of like a life-changing job, definitely. Long time to be away from family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lot, it's a long time. It's weird because you get used to it. Like, you just, be, FaceTime becomes your best friend. 
He's like <laughs> prepped you for now. I was going to say a lot of practice. Yeah, like now. Yeah, this is normal for me. This <laughs> this how normal people communicate. Um, but yeah, so it was just yeah, it was hard. It was challenging, but I enjoyed it. And obviously, with the last um, series, with people knew that you, it was the last one that you were going to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed reading online that sort of the the, the mantra they use is sort of stay alert, stay focused, yeah. stay alive. And actually. A lot of people were so pleased that Georgie yeah. remained alive. I yes. mean, like you say, leaving yes. Corey, um, and they, the public really reacted sort of well to her finding peace at the end of the series. Well, that's what this series was about. I think it's not about her finding love again. It wasn't about you know Elvis all of a sudden being alive again. You know, at the end of the day, people lose people in the military, and you know we try yeah. to be very, very. Um, conscious of that and you want to do the storyline justice as well you don't want it you know to not be believable in any way shape or form and I think the last series Georgie um, struggled with his death but threw herself back into work and sort Mm. of like swept it under the carpet she actually never dealt with losing Elvis and that's what this season was all about it's about her grief and her journey and I don't think she'll ever get over Elvis but it was her accepting the fact that he wasn't there and grieving for him and getting the closure that she needed for her to move Mm. on. And I think that's what this series did. And I think it ended perfectly for her. Before we sort of move on to talking about Brassic and some more sort of plot twisty moments of your career, obviously Coronation Street, as you say, was such a huge sort of household staple and and our girl was was huge as well. How is it sort of being such a recognisable face? Like, how do you deal with that from sort of your early 20s? Mm. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've gr- I feel like I've grown up in the public eye. Like, people have seen me go from a teenager into a woman. And sometimes it can be hard. It can be. But luckily for me, I feel like everyone's so nice and supportive. And I've got a really good support network around me as well. So nothing really affects me, I don't think. Mm. You know, my life's very much the same as it always was. I still Mm. go to the same places, still go to the local pubs near me, and I see the same faces, you know, I grew up seeing. Um, So nothing's really changed, apart from people have got opinions on everything. Mm. But I don't really, you know, if I see anything negative, I don't really read too much into it. I sort of understand it comes with with the job. So do, you, I think, do you look on Twitter and social media and those sort of... I do, not all the time, I do. And nine times out of ten, it's always really positive. So that's what I try and focus on. I never really focus on the negative. You know, there's, there's worse things in life. So that was the first half of our interview with Michelle Keegan. Oh, she's lovely, isn't she? Literally, Tom, I think you butted in over something I was saying <laughs> to emphasise how lovely she was when you last met her. I was like... She gets it. She knows you think she's lovely. (laughs) I think everyone does, right? But no, seriously, in that situation where you meet people like that, not everyone is as friendly as she was. So I just thought I was going to make a point, just call it out, you know? She was she was pretty friendly when I tried to dig you out about the eyelashes. She called you a Disney princess. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. I think that's a compliment. Um, she was like, I've, oh. I mean, I've had worse. I said Disney princess, Fran said camel. Yeah, Fran said a bloody camel, yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Any surprises, though? I think what was interesting for me was to talk to her about how she's moved through her career. So from going to acting school just to build up her confidence to then landing the role in Corrie within six months is... What a turnaround. 
which is absolutely mental. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, she described it as an electrifying moment. I love that description. I think I'd have felt like that if someone had plonked three ginormous scripts on the desk for me to learn within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's terrifying. I, I find that amazing that she just did it to sort of just to build up a bit of confidence. And then suddenly, you know, she's on the National Institution, which is Coronation Street. It's huge. It was pretty scary, though, with her talking about how when she left, she was like, guys, I'm thinking of leaving. And they were like, we've written a great storyline. We've killed off your character. That's not like we're going to send Tina on a sabbatical for a year and then maybe you can come <laughs> back if you want. It's like, that's it. You're out. Like, that's quite scary to leave something such, you know, a big following as Coronation Street. And it was a plunge into the unknown for her. It kind of showed her ambition. It was a bit like Stephen Graham, wasn't it, a few weeks ago when we spoke to him. He said, like, had this big role in This Is England. She had the equivalent being in Corrie and then didn't have work for seven or eight months. It, yeah, crazy. It was, quite, it was a big gamble, but it certainly paid off. But then obviously she's added some massive hitters to her CV since then. And our girl, I thought, was super interesting that they went on the sort of military boot camp to prepare themselves to really get into the role and how physical that was. Yeah, you don't think of that, do you? I think she said it. You kind of, everyone just assumes you turn up on set, you're in your gear and you, off you go. But it's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And they film in some crazy exciting locations like South Africa and Malaysia. But it must be really hard being away from home. And it was nice to hear her talk about how she's grown as a person in that time as well. Well, you think all her adult years, actually, she's been in the spotlight. It's so mm. hard to imagine constantly being in sort of the, the eyes of the public, both publicly and privately. Yeah, it must be crazy, but it was so good to hear her talk about the fact that she's got a really strong support network to sort of fend off any negativity, which is great. But she did say that she doesn't really check Twitter, but we felt that it was necessary to surface one brilliant tweet around Brassic, which was where we pick up in part two. Yeah, we found a good one, didn't we? A great one. So we should probably get to it. Here it is, part two of our interview with Michelle Keegan on the Plot Twist podcast. Exciting. We actually um, wanted to use one of our favourite tweets as a lead into talking about Brassic. So we were obviously okay. looking up some of the reactions to season two. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I would just read this tweet that we found, that we <laughs> okay. felt for us, perfectly summed up how we felt about oh, the series. Okay. So it was, fuck. L that long, long fuck. A long fuck. Um, <laughs> another brilliant series of Brassic. Once again, going through a range of emotions. I love this crew and the belly laughs that they give us. But as always, I also want to hug them so tightly. And it's over. Season two. I really should try and binge watch things slower so they last longer. <laughs> oh, that's such a nice tweet. <laughs> we found that. And I just think for us, we thought that perfectly summed it up because it's... It's such a laugh out loud series, but actually there's really poignant moments where you're so invested in these characters and their friendships and mm. the hardships they're going through as well. Um, mm. So we just thought that was... I love that. I love that. It's not my mum, is it? Well, actually, now that you make... No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually Mish Keegan. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is. I think that's what the show is about. I think the show is just full of warmth. And like you said, it's it is a comedy, but it's also really poignant. Po is it poignant? I can't say the word. Poignant. poignant. Yeah, poignant. Thank you. Yeah. Poignant <laughs> moments, and and all the characters have got sort of um, different elements that people love about them, and I think that's why the show works, and I think that's why people fell in love with the show. I think it's very honest, isn't it? I mean, we very spoke honest. to Joe Gilgan a couple of weeks ago on on, on Pot Twist, mm. and obviously he's he's an open book. He's very honest. Uh, I mean, extraordinarily so. Yeah. That that does come that does come across in the series, particularly in series two, where like his relationship with Tyler or yeah. his dad, for example, you've got these 
like hilarious one-off moments then suddenly a, a really sort of sentimental mm. um, moment which is yeah it just adds that really nice balance to the series yeah it's true and and i think that's why it works i think people can relate to it because that's real life you know it's not all like um sunshine and rainbows all the time you know there is darker moments and i think that's what there is in brassic was that what attracted you to the series in the first place it was sort of yeah. sort of going back to some roots in a way yeah yeah it felt real it. when i was reading it it was real for me and i think i could relate to the script and i remember like obviously i wanted to do a comedy because i haven't done much comedy and i remember laughing out loud when i got the script so for me that just was like yeah i, ne I need to be part of this definitely you mentioned it being a move into comedy so how was that for you it's so different to drama, you know. I, it's so different. I sometimes it's harder. I think comedy, because obviously with drama, you you are emotionally involved in the character and you're invested and you're going on that journey with them. And with comedy, it's all about timing and presence on screen and because the, the words are there, you know, you have to say them right in the right timing and. And a lot of the time as well, you can ad-lib with comedy. You can't do so much in drama because you start telling the story where in comedy, it's more freer. Mm. So, and it's so funny. We've got this outtake video of all the cast and all the memories from this last season. And I'm not joking. It's literally like people are <laughs> like trying not like sucking in the cheeks so they don't like, and you can see <laughs> their eyes like, oh no, here we go, here we go. I'm going to laugh, I'm going to laugh. And you see the panic in the faces of when they're going <laughs> to laugh because... The, the actors are just constantly making these lines up to carry on riffing, and it's just so funny. It's hilarious. So is, is a lot of it ad-libbed then? Not, not all the time, but there is, like, occasional line or the change of word, and it just works. Like, Daniel, the gentleman who written the show, Daniel Brocklehurst, is hilarious anyway, but, like, the characters would add their stamp to one or two lines in the scripts, and it just works. It's hilarious. So did you know when you sort of read that script how you wanted Erin to come across? Because like you say, it goes from words on paper yeah. to a, a fully a full human who's kind of got their own character traits and personality. Like, did you have a clear vision of what Erin was going to yeah. be as you were reading it? Yeah, I knew she was going to be a really strong female. I wanted her to be, like, quite an empowering role as well. Like, a lot of the time when you see working-class single moms, it's always portrayed in quite a dark way or a gloomy way and hard-done by way. Erin, she doesn't feel like that. She's just what she's ambitious. She's trying to give her son the opportunities that she never had growing up. She's the mother hen of the group. She's a strong character. And mm. I knew straight away that that's the way I wanted Erin to be portrayed as a sort of like role model um, and, a, in a, and seen in a positive way rather than a negative. And particularly in season two, she sort of, whereas in season one, I suppose she's almost, she's trying to better herself. She's mm. you know, going to classes and. Mm. And now she's very much emerged in the, in the gang mm. and getting involved. Yeah, and she actually says to Sugar as well, a friend in the show, like, she actually missed the excitement of it all and she actually mm. missed hanging around the lads. So obviously this season, she's definitely involved in their antics um, because she's missed them, you know. There's, the, she's got a very close bond with them all, especially to Dylan and Vinny because of Tyler. So she just mm. missed being with them. Yeah, I found quite interesting in season two and it will contain a spoiler and we do say that it contains spoilers yeah. in the intro to plot twist. So anyone who doesn't want a spoiler, stop listening now. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because she obviously wants this as a sort of better life and has these big aspirations. And actually yeah. the scene where she's at Jake's 
family mm. household and she just feels completely out of depth out of place yeah she did she didn't she wasn't enjoying it you can tell when they're all talking it's not her it wasn't her and i think she was trying to be someone that she thought she should be mm. but that isn't her you know it sounds like fran <laughs> <laughs> not untrue um, not untrue <laughs> Um, but it's great to see, like I say, she's got her mate with her this season and, and it's bringing it. sort of more of those female characters to the front. Um, yeah. And I was sort of reading online around how sort of Danny Brocklehurst was saying that he didn't want the girls just to be there sort of to prop up the male characters. Mm, like Erin mm. really holds her own in that series. And yeah. I think, again, it's just really another does. super likeable, super like people that can identify with her, which yeah. is what makes it so great. And I do think as well with series, a lot of the time they, they pit women against each other and become mm. rivals, where, again, with this, it, they're not, they become, they're Beth, her and Sugar are best mates, become allies, and she moves in with Erin, and even Dylan's, again, spoiler, so if you don't want to hear anything, <laughs> don't listen. Um, and obviously Dylan's new girlfriend as well, Sarah. Mm. Again, you'd think that Erin would go against her and, 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 and like, they become... What's the word when they're against each like other? Enemies? Like enemies, enemies, Sarah. Yeah. Enemies and stuff, where they're actually not. And even mm. when they meet each other the first time, the girl's like, oh, yeah, she's a bitch, she's a bitch. But then they actually go, she's actually really nice. Which is actually worse in a way, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Nice. She's actually, yeah, she's really nice. And they can't say anything wrong about it. She hasn't done anything wrong, you know? I did um, enjoy the stalking him to her house scene. Oh, um, yeah. And we found a little interesting yeah, fact yeah, nice little um, online. There. Okay. What percentage of people do you think stalk ex-boyfriends on social media? Oh, well, probably easy now, isn't it? I'm <laughs> going to say quite high. I'm going to say 85%. Oh, 88%. Wow. Yes! <laughs> and I'm not saying that, that, that I do it. a round of applause in itself. I'm not saying that I do it, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, right no, now, <laughs> I don't stalk... Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that'll be quite high. It would have been quite a boring scene though if Erin just looked her up on Facebook, wouldn't it? And go, oh yeah, yeah, she's fit. Yeah. She's fit. She looks all right. She looks all right. Eighty percent though, that's high. That is high. Wow. But it's just so easy now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, too easy. Um, but it's obviously it's a brilliant series, and season three has already been confirmed. Yeah, and we we were meant to be starting that in July, but obviously the current climate, we don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, it's definitely it is going to start filming whenever we can. But it's just very, very exciting. We knew about season three as we were filming season two, oh, really? which That's makes it even cool. more exciting because we just knew we had it in the can already and we were like, yes, yes. Seems like people are really, you know, already, mm. it's only, you know, it's still only in season two, but people are really taken to it. Yeah, and we're doing more episodes next season as well. Is it eight? Eight, yeah, not six. Yeah. We're doing eight next season, which is, again, really exciting. And how early on do you get any indication of what Erin's storyline might be in the next season? Well, uh, probably like a month before we do the read-through, we probably get an outline of what's going to happen because obviously the scripts change all the time. And even mm. after the read-through, you do get, like, amended scripts, what things have changed or the storylines changed. So they're never set in stone, really, until mm. the day you're filming them. Obviously, we said we spoke to Joe a couple of weeks ago. What's it like being on set with him and the likes of Ryan Sampson as well? I mean, we saw on the call last week, you guys get on really well, and they were just, you know, really funny people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like day to day on set with those guys? Hilarious. Honestly, you can't, <laughs> I can't, you can never describe a day. So everyone's like, what's it like? It's like, oh, there's, too, there's too many things that actually happen that you can go back and go, oh yeah, that happened, that happened. 
it's just it's just laugh. You have laughter from start to finish. It's like you're actually in the show a lot of the time. Mm. A lot of the time. Even oh, with, like, a, a few seconds before the call, action, the joking, the messing around, and all of a sudden it's like, action, that's serious. That's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Joe has mentioned in the past is about sort of, particularly in men, but in, in general about being vulnerable mm. and... You know, he's, he's very open about his own mental health. Yeah. Is that something that you see on set, that there is this sort of... Yeah, he's just everyone? really open. He's very open about it. And I think it's really refreshing. And I think because he talks so openly about it, other people talk so openly about yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. what's needed, you know. It's OK not to be OK. I know that goes around a lot, that quote, but it's true. If you're having a bad day, talk about it, because it can help. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, yeah, I think Joe really inspires people on set definitely yeah i didn't know too much about joe before the interview last year in the kebab house oh and, yeah yeah <laughs> now you will know everything about him <laughs> yeah exactly we just came up with all these different sort of stories on set and you know joe being joe quite extreme in some cases then suddenly talking about mental health and yeah. about vulnerability in men and it was like wow it's just this roller coaster of emotions yeah. it must be incredible being on set with him yeah no it is it is and he's got these wonderful stories and anecdotes he just doesn't stop like you can go you can talk about one subject and in the space of a minute flip it on its head and it'd be completely different but he's got a story yeah. about that subject like yeah. <laughs> it's, it is it is so interesting being on set with him i really want to see the outtakes video now i know we need to get that online we need to get it released really yeah because it's honestly it's really really good now that it's been on tv i'm sure they'd be able to release it yeah, they must be able to. Yeah, yeah. One final sort of question we had on um, Aaron's character before we move on to your sort of big plot twist moment of your career that we that Tom and I were just playing around with last night yeah. was um, if Aaron had to work at the Rat and Cutter um, <laughs> and was a stripper. Oh yeah. And you know that it always goes around with the uh, what would your stripper name be? It's your yes. mother's maiden name and your well your first pet's name and your mother's maiden name. Oh god. So mine was Bubble Buxy, which I thought <laughs> would be that's actually quite good. really good. Yeah, mine, really mine, was less impressive. Mine was uh, Teddy Richardson, which was a, just a bit uninspiring, really. Yeah, that's a bit boring. That's a bit vanilla. Yeah, that song. It's just yeah, it's, just, it's not sexy at all. No, it's a bit. So we thought we'd ask what your what yours would be. Mine would be Fluffy Turner. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bet that wins. That wins. Fluffy Turner, awful. Well, there we go. You can get in touch with Danny and say, if there is a change in Erin's future... Yeah, I can see a character right called Fluffy Turner in Brassic. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Uh, it's um, amazing. So, obviously, our final sort of big question, I suppose, for you, um, this being the Plot Twist podcast, where we talk about things sort of taking unexpected turns, mm. what would you say from your career is your biggest sort of plot twist moment? It can be a person or a job or an event... Um, where it's sort of been an unexpected turn for you? Oh, God, that is a very good question. Plot twist. I, honestly, I would say Cora. Like I said before, mm. like, my life completely changed when I got that job. So I would definitely say that moment where I got the part of Tina McIntyre. Like, I found out I had the meeting, so I had four auditions... And then I went back to work and I worked on a makeup counter in Selfridges in Trafford Centre in Manchester. And I remember my agent texting me saying, will you call me on your dinner break? And I remember being at KFC. And <laughs> see what I mean? This is a plot. As you do. As I do. I ate my Zinger Tower burger. And then I rang her and she was like, 
you need to go for a meeting tomorrow with the producer wants to see you. So I was like, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And she was like, I don't know. They're not giving anything away. They just want to see you. So I thought, well, maybe he wants to see me purely because he wants to say, we like what you did, but come back in a few years when you've got more experience. Mm. So I was like, so I asked my manager, my, my manager of the, of the um, concession that I worked on, is it OK if I go to Corrie in the morning or come back in the afternoon for work? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, right, I have a couple of hours off. I went, all right, no worries. So next thing, <laughs> obviously, I got the part of Tina went completely numb for two hours and then I had to ring my agent and she went, what's up? So I told her, look, I've got the part. She went, I take you, you're not going to come back in now, are you? And I was just like, <laughs> I will if you want me to. I'll come back on. She's like, no, it's fine. She was like, I'll just see you on the telly in a couple of couple of weeks' time. Exactly. So I'd say that, for me, is the biggest plot twist. And even even around then, I was, work, I was working in the local pub as well as a barmaid, just getting extra cash in the nights. Is at my family pub called the Catholic Club. And all my generation of family, my nana's worked there, my aunties worked there, my mum's worked there, and I've worked there. And I was working there as well at night. That's with a bit of extra cash. Yeah. Such a quick turnaround as well. So quick. Like, it's one of those stories that it's hard to believe in. So if someone yeah. told you what happened, he's like, no. He's like, yeah. In the space of what, six months? Six months. That's incredible. It's amazing, yeah. And what about looking forwards? Obviously, you've ref- said about you know, your ambition to you know, try out different characters and new roles. Is there something in, in mind that you have? Obviously, aside from Brassic season three. I, I do love the physical side of the job as well. So I would love to do more action. I'd love to do more comedy. I'd like to do quite a dark role as well. Because I always play really strong, feisty females, which I love, don't get me wrong, they're my favourite parts. Um, but I'm always the good guy. I'm always the good, you know, the good character. So maybe like a bit of a darker character. I'd like to try that. Bit of a bad girl. Yeah, bit of a bad girl. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on Plot Twist, Michelle. It's been been lovely to catch up. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. So that concludes our interview with Fluffy Turner. (laughs) Brought to you by Bubble Buxy and Teddy Richardson. <laughs> I mean, on a serious note, that was Michelle Keegan. She was amazing. And we had such a laugh with her. You can see that why they a, have such was... a laugh on set. Oh, you really can. She was brilliant, wasn't she? Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go after the stripper names. <laughs> At least we entertain ourselves. Um, Maybe if we talk about plot twists. <laughs> I think we should because... Michelle's plot twist featured a KFC Zinger Tower burger. I mean, not literally, but that was where she was when she got the call from her agent to say that the producers wanted to meet with her. Where great career moments are made. I cannot imagine that. She's just working at Selfridges, doing a day job. And then that call literally has changed the course of her, her life forever. It's insane. I love the fact that she she offered to go to work the next day despite getting the, 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 the dream job, Tina yeah, McIntyre. Guys, do you mind if I just have the script under my desk? I just need to learn, you know, for my role in Coronation Street. Absolutely mental. Well, she said herself, didn't she, that she still goes to the same pub, still got the same group of mates. Yeah, it's so cool she hangs out at her local pub. I'm definitely going to, despite it being definitely nowhere near where I live, have to make an accidental appearance at that pub. You know, a casual bump into. Sure, slightly stalkerish. 
Um, yeah, but necessary. But we've both watched Brassic now, haven't we? When we spoke to Joe, we were just about to start. Yeah, we've both watched the whole series. I know we said it before the second half, but the tweet really summed it up. It's so, it does. it's just so funny. The comic timing in it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, if you want to laugh out loud and you want a few heartwarming moments with some great northern characters, this is the gig. This is the one for you. I mean, but speaking of that as well, as we said before, if you haven't listened to the Joe Gilgan episode on Plot Twist, you really should because Joe talks a lot about the creation of the show and his own personal experiences on it. Uh, and it, it's an absolutely brilliant listen. Yeah, the interview itself is like Brassic, isn't it? It's absolutely hilarious, laugh out loud. And then there are some genuinely heartwarming moments. Uh, yeah brilliant I, I enjoy that their characters really are quite true to themselves like michelle's character in brassic with erin she's that kind of feisty gritty female who keeps all the boys in check and i feel like she would be like that in her in her out of work life as well definitely definitely so big thank you to michelle for coming on this week on plot twist and if you haven't checked out brassic go and check it out on now tv it's a belter yeah, there's nothing more to say, really, than my number one fangirl moment has been truly ticked off. Anna, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Ciao. See ya. Listener.